0: Choose life, choose a sport, choose a drop zone, choose a start time, choose a fucking big jump plane, choose turbine engines, speed, unlimited altitude and endless horizons. Choose height, no low turns, and travel insurance. Choose jump tickets. Choose tiny action cameras. Choose your mates. Choose a rig and matching helmet. Choose swoop shorts and a range of fucking fabrics. Choose 120 vertical speed and wondering who the fuck you are on a Sunday morning. Choose sitting on that couch, watching debriefs, spirit-saving slow-mos, smashing beers after last load. Choose standing on the podium at the end of it all. Choose a win
1: you'll love every time. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you fly NZ Sports? Of course. I absolutely love the NZ Aerosports business model. I mean, come on, one glance at an Icarus fuck yeah sticker and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality. But outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe, there's a long list of reasons to say NZ Aerosports fuck yeah. NZ Aerosports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you 10 jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean, seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after 10 jumps, they'll let you swap it out for another size or model, or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got? Man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust like the Sapphire 3, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot. The Crossfire 3 when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch. The JFX 2 if you're looking to up your new swoop game. The Leia as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast or the Petra. The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken, built as a low pack volume canopy specifically with wingsuiting in mind. She gives you all the performance you're looking for with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So, the equipment is top-of-the-line kick-ass stuff, as you already know, but how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at nzaerosports.com, and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. And demos! They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. The whole U.S. demo fleet is there with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need. And I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. Hell, they've even got a special offer for all you Lunatic listeners out there. Just head to pages.nzaerosports.com forward slash into the void. That's pagesnzerosportscom forward slash into the void and follow the instructions to register a website account with them. You'll score a discount voucher with 20 bucks towards any purchase over $200. I mean, come on. You know you're going to shop with NZ Aerosports, so grab a little extra cash towards that buy and enjoy. The offer is good until the 31st of December and the voucher is good for three months, so go register now. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go. All right, back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, and it's uh, an up-close-and-personal one. Hey, uh, uh, cheers. Cheers Cheers Cheers. to that, yeah. Who the fuck are you, and what do you do? (laughs) I am Tim Jones. Tim Jones.
0: Uh, Currently working uh, as a tandem instructor, videographer, doing my best. And uh, yeah, that's about it
1: at the minute. All right, hauling meat, jumping out of airplanes, and shooting video. That's the one. Nice, nice. Was that the uh, the grand scheme when you were like 12 years old? You're like, I want to grow up and strap people to me?
0: Uh, not when I was 12. <laughs> 21, it started. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you know Matt Abram, actually? Um, I know the name. He was the one that got me started on this. Uh, you know, same story as most people do, do a tandem and then... Uh, with no direction in my life, <laughs> figure out that that might be a good option. Especially when you hear what people get paid for jumping out of a plane, rather than what we pay.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Wait. Yeah. Well, I I always used to get the oh my god, you have the greatest job in the world. I can't believe they pay you for this. And, yeah. and then five years down the road, you're like, don't fucking pay me enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I was that guy. I can't believe you pay me. You get paid for this. Yeah. How much do you get paid? Fifty euros. No way. All right. That's me. Nice. I'm done. So it was the videographer side. That really enticed me because he was just having a great time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to France, actually, and uh, he was the only person that could speak English. So we were ringing him up in my Peugeot 205 that could (laughs) barely make it all the way. It was a booze cruise with all of my buddies. Nice. One uh, idea that I came up with. And then, yeah, he directed us all around the block. Eventually got there. And then same story. And that
1: was to do your first
0: jump? That was to do my first jump, And yeah. in, in France? In France, yeah. Oh, you know how everyone turns up at these places and say, oh, it's the best place to jump. The view's amazing, you know? Well, I lived in a town close to, which is my, well, my old home drop zone, close to Banbury with a with a coffee factory. And, you know, just the usual stuff that you think is drab and dreary right. when you live there. And you think, let's go to greener pastures. So we had to go somewhere else. Sure. Uh, and combined it with going to get some cheap alcohol in uh, in Europe, why not, just to come back and party with it. So yeah, that was the idea to start with.
1: Nice, nice. And uh, was that your first foray into extreme sports, was jumping out of an airplane, or had you been doing other stuff?
0: Uh, yeah, I don't know really what's classified as extreme sports. I've always anything been kind of active. So
1: Anything you could fuck yourself up in?
0: Uh, I don't know. I guess I did uh, downhill mountain biking a little bit when I was younger. We, we went us some trips to uh, Morzine, you know, Morzine.
1: No, I was just gonna say they have hills in England,
0: uh, yeah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we went over to to Morzine doing some of that. I used to just, you know, as a kid, jump with the biggest, you know, build the ramps out of wood and right. do stupid shit, right, right. And do supermans and backflips, whatever you can get away with, right. Um, but yeah, apart from that, no, I guess skydiving was the first one that really uh, reeled me in properly.
1: Fair enough. Now, what did uh, what did the family think of that?
0: Uh, Good question. Actually, I don't know. They don't really have too much to say about it to start with. I guess my mom didn't really. You know, it's kind of this uh, when you don't know, you have preconceived ideas about what it is. Sure. And and I guess Skylabbing has these preconceived ideas about it being dangerous and stuff. Is what you hear every day. Sure. When you're working in the industry, but uh, so I think each year or whatever when I go and see my family and stuff, I give them more information and they hear hmm. about the safety aspects of skydiving and sure. whatever. You know, they, they don't know about the reserves to start with. They don't know about the AADs to start with. They don't sure. know about all the checks and stuff we do. So sure.
1: Well, that's the thing, I'm right? I mean, you've, you've got the level of danger and there certainly is a high level of danger in skydiving, but there's also a high level of safety backups yeah. for it. But it takes a while to, to realize and then you get deeper into the sport and you read the incident reports and you hear about it. Mm fatalities yeah. and you nope everybody you meet has met someone that they've lost and then you start scratching your head going um is this really is yeah. maybe this is as dangerous as people say <laughs> and then you realize oh no chances are it was a one-off but that's a weird thing right how many one-off accidents and fatalities are there this has never happened before
0: yeah you know how many yeah, fucking exactly.
1: times i've heard that
0: yeah that's true
1: this is, oh, my God, that was a one in a million. Fuck well, those me. are the
0: ones that go down in the book, you know, the ones that we all learn about right. and try and uh, figure out what we can do better next time. Yeah? Right.
1: So what would the parents have, uh, I mean, obviously if they knew it was kind of dangerous, but they just let you get away with it. Were you were you a pain in the ass so they were just happy you found something? To yeah, do? maybe
0: they were happy that I was leaving every weekend and not bothering them, you know, because <laughs> literally I was. When I first, first started skydiving, it was every single weekend, rain yeah. or shine. And I started skydiving in like – Late September in the UK, so you know it was a <laughs> a larger Not- level of dedication, you might say, than these uh, uh, seasonal seasonal sure. fun jumpers that come and turn up. But sure. yeah, rain or shine, we were there, lighting the bonfire every single weekend, camping in a tent in December or whatever it was. Sure. You
1: know? Well, now, was that part of the draw, though? As I mean, obviously, the jumping was a big thing. Initially, I
0: mean, I think that's what a lot of skydivers get drawn into the thing is, you know, they find this family that they've never met before and everyone's so communal and you have this uh, one topic of conversation that you're always uh, talking about, which we still do that's seven years in the sport and you find yourself at a bar, like you'd be there with uh, someone that's not a skydiver, you know, and if you put yourself in their shoes, especially if it's someone in your own invitation, you watch the conversation at a skydiving table and suddenly tends to yeah, what are you flying valkyrie 75 1080 rah, 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 and it's all this mumbo jumbo that no one can understand it goes on for like 25 minutes and then yes. you have to turn around and go sorry we've just been <laughs> rambling about nothing you can understand you know yeah oops so there's well, always that yeah. i
1: think actually you were out one evening when i had made the suggestion that we should try and have an evening without talking about skydiving and everybody i think it about, would be
0: impossible they well they
1: waited about <laughs> half a second before they're we like fuck off yeah exactly <laughs> no <laughs> like literally everyone here is a skydiver of course we're going to talk about skydiving. Yeah. Absolutely. So Uh, you you went out and made your first jump in France. Yep. And you got a bunch of cheap booze.
0: Got a bunch of cheap booze, yeah. Nice. Came straight back to Bristol and uh, sent it in uh, one of the nightclubs down there. That was cool. And then obviously, you know, you're drunk as hell and chatting to everybody you meet in the nightclub hey, I just did a skydiver rah, 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 telling them all the stories. Right? yeah yeah of course.
1: <laughs> so you knew right right then from that first jump you're like this is this shits for me.
0: yeah, at this stage in my life I must have been yeah, it was 21 so I'd been to uh, university and it was kind of a decision that was a bit like I don't really know what I want to do, you know, throw a bunch of subjects on the wall and and mm. throw a dart at it and I just picked photography just to whatever, go and do another experience. You know, I just finished college and was just looking to go somewhere new. So I did that, but it wasn't really what I wanted to do. Mm. So I spent a year there not going to university (laughs) and uh, having a good time. But of course, the uh, lecturers don't let you back if you don't do any of the work. So So that was that. And then I was back, you know, just working, doing whatever, living with my friends, which was great fun, but with no direction. And so I just was an open book when I went there. And this opportunity sparked in my mind, and just became super easy. That kind of combine the yeah, photography. I can and do the, that, you know. And the, it the, pays good. So, and it was super fun. So, so you knew right away
1: that all right, fuck, I'm working in this. Yeah. and it sure. was the video. And thing it was the video. Wanted.
0: I just wanted to be a videographer, you know. And then, of course You go home and you YouTube all the videos, and you look at all the stars and stuff, yeah. and you sit there with. Your eyes wide and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I
1: was really lucky. I got started shooting video so early in the sport, man. Uh, um, and uh, uh, a super close friend of mine by the name of Kevin Love actually loaned me his camera helmet uh, to shoot a four-way video. Side mount. Uh, it wasn't the side mount, uh, um, but it was a massive fucking helmet. This is back when you had to tape the outside of the camera because you'd get tape flutter on the fucking high <laughs>
0: 8 And tape tapes. your neck up before you go oh, to yeah. the time, man. <laughs>
1: Brutal stuff, brutal stuff. And it was a four-way of him, uh, um, a very accomplished uh, skydiver named Juliana C., a guy named Gary Spear that owned the Las Vegas Wind Tunnel, and uh, Lou Sanborn, licensed D1 um and that was yeah that was the first proper skydiving video i ever shot was a four way over them um and uh, then started videoing almost right away cuz i started shooting video for a, a crew um out of north las vegas uh that were the outlaw skydiving club
0: Sounds like a good name. Fucking perfect. I can imagine what you guys must have got up Fucking to. Fucking perfect.
1: <laughs> I'm actually going to be speaking to the one and only Brian Moeller on the next episode who is one of the outlaws and Jesus.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so this is like the warm up act, right? Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um. But uh, yeah, I was, I was super lucky to get started in that and I never ever wanted to be a tandem instructor.
0: Like, I mean, yeah, it wasn't something that necessarily appealed to me straight away. I mean, and when I went the guy advised me to go to a drop zone that was 15 minutes down the road from me, which I had no clue was there, <laughs> and it was his home drop zone. That he he was, I mean, he speaks French. He was over there for a bit. I mm. said, "Hey, just go down there, and uh, you know, speak to the guys, see what jobs they might have." So I turn up there one evening, and I'm speaking to them. Hey, you got any work? I just want to be like in the community. I want to be surrounded by you guys. Find out more information and stuff. I don't care what I do. You mm. know, I said, "I'll I'll work the bar if you want." I saw they had a bar, and then little did I know that. Everybody works the bar, you know? It's just a free bar. You just go back. Everybody knows the button for the till. You put your money in. You take as many beers as you want and you leave. Yep. There's me being like, yeah, I can work the bar. Do whatever you want, you know? <laughs> Everyone's laughing at me. Of course. This guy's got no idea. And then they're like, yeah, we normally give the opportunities that guys are already skydiving. So it was sparked in my head. Okay, I got to save up some money mm. and do my AFF. And that's the way into this nice, whole nice.
1: scheme. So AFF in shit weather in the U.K.? yep Wow! How long did that take?
0: Uh, you know, I think it was like two or three months. Yeah,
1: that's actually not that bad.
0: It's not too bad, and it was weekend stuff, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. not not the end of the world. Um, but yeah, I went there. Started with uh, my friend Peter actually, who came and did uh, a a tan with me on the on my birthday, mm. and we both turned around to each other and said, "Yeah, you know, I want to let's do go and do the AFF." Like, a, I mean, I think obviously I was more stoked about it than him, so I wrapped him, <laughs> <laughs> roped him in. We went down there. Hung around all, you know, did the ground school, hung around all day, as you do. And then, right, we give up, four o'clock in the afternoon, right. drive home. And as we're leaving, there's this big blue thing, in, hole in the sky. Oh. And we just look at each other like, are we idiots? Should we turn around? We turn around. And they were like, we're so glad you came back. Like, nice. Sent the plane straight up, did level one. And then from then on, I was like, turn around to Peter. Are we going back? Are we going back? He's like, oh, no, I'm good. Well, let me like Maybe next weekend. I'm like, all right, <laughs> well, I'm going back. So you catch me up, you know. And before I knew it, I was level eight like 10 cons- consoles and all the all the rest and yeah. and then I'm 200 jumps and I'm like you still coming back for level 2 bro <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I think I'm
1: good. <laughs> Isn't it funny that, uh, I mean, I remember the same thing because I had a bunch of friends that we always used to talk about going skydiving, and I ended up being the only one in my group that did that first jump and, mm. of course, kept going. Uh, and it's it doesn't take very long before you start to see your friends drift towards the all skydive group yeah. and very few normal people. Yeah. Um. And I to this day now, I think I have, outside of family, half a dozen friends if if that that um are not skydivers, are not skydivers yeah. yeah i and, mean yeah but and half the of them it. i've at least gotten to do a tandem
0: yeah that's yeah. the way it goes really you know especially whatever like i said i turned up at this place and you spend every weekend there and you suddenly bump into a bunch of people that you're spending all your spare time with yeah namely uh you know Kenny Baker oh yeah uh, Martin Harrison and then uh, Keith it was there a little bit later but like this was the the core crew and uh and Jay my friend uh But we were there like, you know, every weekend, spending all our time together. So you quickly become like a family, especially when you're going through the the levels and the programs. Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. Now, when did you decide? uh, When did you start working in it? Because obviously, there's a bit of a time lag for everybody between starting out jumping and the first time someone's given you money to get in a plane.
0: That's true. Uh, The first time someone, well, I didn't start jumping working in it, but um, after basically two years of being there every weekend and even at my job in the evenings I was turning around to the boss on like four PM on a Friday, being like, you know, I'm ringing up Keith or whoever's at the drop zone like, How many plate how many loads you got left to to go? He's like, We got three. If you can make it here in twenty minutes, you can probably get on the last one. I'm like, To my boss, you know, this job that I signed up for. So I, I like had to search around. Uh, I was working to like white goods, installing like washing machines and tumble dries, but it paid me. Nothing, you know. Mm. So eventually I got this job building sheds, which paid me good enough so that I can afford skydiving. I went for the interview on like the Monday and I'd already booked myself. Like I hadn't got the job and I'd already booked myself in for level one on the Friday. I hadn't got I was confident. I was confident. (laughs) And I turn around. He shakes my hand, says, cool, you got the job. You start tomorrow. And I said, cool, can I have Friday off? Because i got to (laughs) go skydive. So he knew from day one that this was what I was up to. Right. Uh, And, yeah, often I was like, can I just leave? Because he's like, and he's like, you're going to go skydive? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go skydive. I just want to sneak one in at the end of the day. And then that was the start of the weekend. You know, I just stay there. Sure, sure. Um, I can't even remember what I was rambling about now.
1: Well, about how you got started. So So that was how
0: I got started. The first couple of years, I was there for so long, uh, and Andy Ford, who we both know, Andy and was, Ford. The <laughs> was the one that uh, put my name forward. Yeah, he just put my name forward because he I obviously thought I was nice and keen and sure. was there and uh, it's, so
1: avid. Isn't it funny how, so you're um, a no-name skydiver at a small drop zone, basically in the middle of nowhere, building sheds yeah, exactly. just to be able to get on the plane, hanging out... With Andrew Ford, yeah, forty, who is an extremely well-known, highly accomplished skydiver, uh, who's done a lot of shit for a lot of time, yeah, and he's just your buddy that you're hanging out with. Like, yeah. th- th- at any point did uh, did you get clued into the fact that that was? Andrew Ford, not just Andy? Uh,
0: I don't still think I've been clued into the fact that it is. but
1: uh, Good for Andy. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: you, you eventually realize that Everyone knows everybody in skydiving, you sure. know? So when uh, when you go to all these other drop zones in the UK and, you know, blah, 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 and you just drop his name and, oh, you know, this, I'll work with him here and around, you know, you, eventually the penny drops eventually. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But it's, it's kind of it's cool when you have that realization. You're like, oh, wait, you're somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it, you can't rewind it and have awe for this person now that they're, you know, this person. You're just like, oh, fuck, you've done some shit. Yeah. All right, that's kind of cool. Yeah, he's definitely done some shit. So you, and, well, and I heard this, uh, um, I had this conversation with Forty, actually, because uh, I had him on recently as well. And he was saying how you guys had bounced back and forth and you ended up going to a drop zone together where he kind of threw your name into the hat for ground control.
0: That was it, yeah. So I think the the chain of events was um, Mitch was there and a friend of mine, Rich Madeley, uh, he was over here at the tunnel. Mm. Mitch was maybe training to do some video flying with his wings in the tunnel and said, hey, uh, met Rich, he's a super nice guy. Hey, are you interested in doing ground control? Uh, Rich, through the whatever, he had a work going, uh, wasn't able to take the job. I think mm. it was passed to 40 and then... He was available to nice. put my name forward. And so, yeah. But it was a it was kind of a long process. Sure. I put my name forward. I got in touch with uh, Alan. And then it was, you know, uh, we'll schedule the, the Zoom meeting or whatever it was for next weekend for the interview. It wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. And then I had the opportunity where my friends were already going to Dubai. Right. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get on a plane. I'm going to turn up on the doorstep. I'm going to say, hey, how about that interview now? Right. Which went in my favor, you know, with Andy Ford as well. And, uh, yeah, no, it worked out in the end. Nice, nice. He gave
1: me the job. Now, how many jumps did you have at the time? 300. All right, so still super low time. Still super low, yeah. So you know you're going there and you're on the ground.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, turned up over here. And, uh, yeah, just – that was, that was the general plan. I didn't want to um, be there doing ground control. I mean, obviously, I wanted to get on the video team and what a video team it would be to be on as sure, well. Sure, sure. Uh, but the original plan is I'm going over here to do a job. I'm going I'm to do it well for as long as I feel comfortable until, sure. until I can step myself so up to
1: Ground control is, uh, is an often overlooked position. Um, I would agree. (laughs) Yeah, it it really is. But it's an extremely important position, especially at a busier drop zone uh, or a drop zone with uh, um, obstacles to overcome, so to speak. Mm. Um, So you kind of got thrown into an operation that um, the job that you were given as a novice was an important fucking job
0: definitely you know i mean
1: um how did you handle that was it because i mean you're you're coming in with assholes like me (laughs) (laughs) so
0: making my life easier yeah yeah
1: you you know you got uh, um office and airplanes and all that kind of stuff barking at you and like
0: you said it's a big operation to step into coming from a tiny little drop zone in the uk yeah like straight after i was here and that was you know another shock. If it wasn't enough with, you know, two otters (laughs) flying, Dean and Jackson, you know, whatever, eight minute lows between, you know, clear drop, what's going on? I got someone in the water all over the place, you know? (laughs) Then they chucked me in on their games, trying to deal with, I don't know how many gyrocopters and helicopters and all this stuff, but no, I was kind of shadowing Mitch for that sure, and uh, picking it up slowly. He taught me a lot, which I'm very thankful for.
1: Well, I remember uh, um, we uh, it went through a couple of really, really top-notch uh, ground controllers. Um, and you followed up in, in good suit and did the exact same job, but it's it's not an easy job because you're having to try and figure out what we're doing in the plane from the ground. Uh, and I think it was I think we were even joking around and trying to make you tell us what spot we were flying. Yeah,
0: you definitely get an eye in for it after yeah. a while, don't you? Which
1: is crazy, though, right? Because, I mean, most people look up and they can barely see fucking parachutes, and you not only have to see the parachute as a ground controller, you have to know where they're at, what mm-hmm. the wind is doing, uh, how high they are. Mm-hmm. So that you know whether or not to clear did that take a while?
0: It did take a while, yeah. Uh, and it was something that from then I was training other ground controllers to do the same job. And it's kind of this thing where you know, what makes a good teacher is understanding that the student is, is still a student and they don't have the knowledge of the teacher. Do you sure. know what I mean? Sure. And you forget that. Or after you've been doing it for so so long, you're like, Oh yeah, just look and that. <laughs> and then make a decision and you're like yeah but hang on they don't have the, yeah. the same knowledge as you so yeah. it definitely does take a, a long time to get your eye in uh, and we used to play that game the, the 321 game you get this inbuilt clock yeah i don't know if you know about that but tell we tell me about to, the 321 game <laughs> it was me and Mitch's game it's the 321 game so you're on radios and for some reason, when the operation going, it's just this clock. And you have it inbuilt with you. You've got yeah. other stuff to do. You know, you count the canopies. You go to the pond. You you film the landing. You pick them up. You go back. And then you're on ground control. And there's this inbuilt clock in you, which just tells you in about five seconds, Dean's going to say two minutes. It's clear right. clear drop. Right. And we just, just play it. And you wouldn't believe how many times we get it right. Three, two, one. All right, jump for a clear drop, and you just laugh in the at the end of the radio. Awesome.
1: Uh, well, but that's how it's supposed to be, right? I mean, uh, in in a perfect world, you get that flow going, yeah. Um, which is critical for safety as well. I mean, you always want to be able to know what's going on, and it's weird because you get this this weird mental tap on the shoulder yeah. when something's not quite right. Yeah, like wait a second, timing is a little off, or something's not right, or something's funny, and you get that too from my end.
0: And it's uh, yeah. It's happened the other way around where the, we play the 3 two, one game essentially or or something and then I'll radio a pilot who might have forgotten and then I'll say, is it, "Is it? do you want two minutes yet? And they're like, oh, yeah, I should have asked for that 10 seconds yeah. ago. So it works both way around. But yeah, absolutely. It's that rhythm that you get into when it's, when it's a good, you know, a high operating drop zone that just runs and runs and runs.
1: Sure. It's well, and a- especially as you're winding down towards the end of a long day when you're talking, you know, 20 plus loads, people miss stuff. Man, people you do. just you just get fucking tired, and you're counting parachutes, and you've got to make sure this and that's going on. Everything's being done right, mm-hmm. and we've both seen people on the opposite side of the job that aren't doing a good job, and it, wow, it really makes a huge difference. Mm. Huge, huge knock on effects in. The- yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and so also being ground control too, um, you, you're you seeing a different side of the sport in that you're not, it's not all fun and games. You've got definite shit to do that never uh, really includes the woohoo moment because you're not doing the jumping. Yeah. Um, so you got that kind of working to make you work a little bit harder as well, but you're also seeing negative stuff too because you're there for injuries, mm-hmm. you're there for that kind of stuff. I mean, Dad, you expected all that when you started doing that?
0: Hadn't It was something that, yeah, you learn on the job. Mm. And um, I don't know, I feel like I'm an average people person, you know, reading a situation and and learning what the best way to deal with something is maybe something that I could be good at. Maybe Mm. it's a reason that I might be good at ground control. Um, Telling people off was something that, you know, you've got to be careful with. You want, all you want to do is keep people safe and sure. you want to get the right outcome. So what is the best way to approach this person or this person? You right. know, are you going to call out the hot shot skydiver when he's surrounded by the 12 guys that he just did a radical skydive with, right. you know, and say, whoa, you just let everyone up jump run. And then like, is he going to respond nicely to that? No, right. let's talk about it in a different way. When you got him to the side, hey, next time, you know, sure, look at the spot rah, 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 or something, you know, like just. Thinking about things in this, and I did it wrong to start with. I, of course, I will admit. Of you know, course, you got to learn from your mistakes when you when you do stuff like that. Well, so.
1: Also, coming from a small drop zone to a drop zone that ha- a bigger drop zone, and any bigger drop zone, especially if it's a multi-turbine drop zone, is going to have superstars. Yeah. There's gonna be you know big names in the sport, which I mean, let's face it, the sport is small, so a big name ain't much in the real world. It's <laughs> only in our little world. Yeah. But you, you'll find yourself on a load next to rock stars yeah. in our sport. So telling those guys
0: off—that's it. Me, 300 jumps. Somebody that nobody knows. <laughs> right. Telling one of the big rock stars at these drop zones what it, to do. Yeah. Now you got to be careful about. How are you going to approach that, you know? For sure. And for that's sure. Something I had to learn. But, you know, we got there in the end.
1: <laughs> well, it's. I mean, it's funny, too. And, and we've been fortunate enough to work in drop zones where uh, some of the best that the sport has ever seen come through on a regular basis. Um, and then you end up not just watching them jump, but you end up calling them friends, um, which is, is still a unique thing. Really in, I think, with skydiving, maybe something like surfing or or, um, snow skiing or something like that, Mm. where it's a relatively small community. But it's very easy to become friends with the best in the sport because chances are the best in the sport is also working the three or four days a week when they're not training to be the best. Yeah. So it's kind of cool, really, when you think about it. Um, And you and I have both worked with some of the cutting edge skydiving in the sport. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Now you transition from ground control happily because I think you were done with it. I was. When well,
0: actually, you know what? I do love it. I do love it. It's very good. Uh, I have
1: to, I actually have to ask a question. When you worked as ground controller, you consistently every day listen to the worst fucking music.
0: <laughs> oh yes. Of horrible, course.
1: horrible. <laughs> of n- course. N- 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 Yeah, but then you gotta How? keep yourself
0: going somehow. How? I mean we're each to our own taste scene.
1: Dude, which kind of segues into the, is it a rule? Is there a law? Is there something printed somewhere that says every under 30-year-old English man has to be a DJ at some point in his life? I I guess there must be. I guess there must be somewhere. (laughs) I didn't read the small print, but I guess I must follow the curve. You took up the, the, the whole DJ thing long after you'd been doing ground control. I did, yeah um latent fucking gene st- i have done
0: some before but yeah. just you know the the average like virtual dj software on your laptop you know messing around because everybody that's uk also loves drum and bass so we right. like to mix that stuff so <laughs> but yeah i picked it up pretty late i wouldn't consider myself uh any type of expert in it. I like to push buttons that light up and go and flash and make things well, change. But
1: You went from I'm going to you know play a little bit of music to all of a sudden you had this fucking huge setup and you're the guy over <laughs> in the corner with one hand up on the, yeah. the earphone just grooving to a beat that we can't hear yet because you haven't mixed it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fuck did this happen? It must be an English thing. <laughs> it must be an English thing. <laughs> so you, you transitioned out of ground which you enjoyed doing. You were very good at. Yeah,
0: I way. mean I had this uh, Oh, one thing I wanted to say actually was uh, the experience doing ground control uh, taught me so much uh, before I went to go and do video Mm. and the same doing video just video taught me so much before I went to do tandem it gives me you know it built my experience from the ground up Mm. I watched all these guys Opening and landing and doing all these things and all the different conditions, every single wind condition and every single direction landing, whether it's tandem video or anything. So I'm learning a lot just from watching mm. at the start of things. But, yeah, happily transitioned to uh, to doing video. And it was for a bit, it was video and ground control, which was also very nice. Sure. And then eventually moving on to get the tandem rating later. Oof. Yeah, slave <laughs> to the drogue
1: <laughs> it's funny that you say you, you did it that direction because I did as well I was just fortunate enough that I did it at a time where I was able to get away with a kind of a hit the fast forward button um, I started shooting video way too young in my career and got lucky because I had a bunch of tunnel time flying big old baggy suits so flying a pair of wings was easy mm. uh, and then I was forced into getting my tandem rating um, when I absolutely did not want it specifically because I had filmed a couple thousand tandems by then and Had I wanted no truck with that shit. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) So you didn't feel like you learned (laughs) anything to be able to deal with it. You just felt like you'd sinned too much. Yeah, I only
1: learned I didn't (laughs) want to do that shit. It just... Now, yeah. that being said, the gear that we were using back in the day were the old Vector tandem rigs before the Sigmas came mm. out and F-111 tandem canopies that went as okay. big as a 500-square-foot canopy and opened like a fucking freight train.
0: Oh, yeah. So it's like a car crash every opening. And oh, just every single one. I wouldn't one. be enticed to go and— Switch from video to do that. Either. No, I mean, it was
1: fucking brutal, and and plus, as the video guy, you're the one because I started shooting video in Vegas, so I'm able to fly in front of the cute girls that I'm going to hit on as soon as we land on the <laughs> ground. <laughs> the tano instructors, whatever he's got, you know. So. <laughs> But you decided you wanted to do the tandem rating, and I remember um, thinking as you were going through your tandem rating, he seems really happy about this. (laughs) Like,
0: (laughs) you really seem to enjoy the course. I was really happy about it. Yeah, I mean, I did it with uh, Carl. We both know Carl. I'm sure a lot of people know Carl. And uh, he had – I can't remember. Had he recently got his uh, instructor – an instructor examiner? That's the rating, right? So he'd recently got – I think it was maybe his first or – one I think of his so. first students. Yeah. and had the opportunity to do it at the Palm Dropson, which is Yeah. something that uh no one really does which yeah. is very nice. Yes. Um, yes. So that was an experience as well. I was yeah, I mean to go and now join all my buddies doing the you know and have these different stories and meeting the different people from the other side of things and and experiencing the the first jump from uh that initial when you open the parachute we all know that you, that you hear the real reaction of what people think about it. So right. that was a cool aspect that I was excited to dive into
1: sure now you to to get the rating you actually had to take
0: Carl didn't you I had to take Carl. Carl was my student for the first three jumps. He didn't want to come on the... Uh, um, the drogue list? Yeah, the drogue list. I well, because you I guys would have broke the fucking speed <laughs> I, of sound. I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe he thought we were going to lose the drogue. Well, know. I mean... That drogue detaches during free fall. One. Right.
1: Well, Carl's <laughs> what? Carl's about as tall as me, but he's got a... Yeah, s- he's got, he's got, got extra. A, maybe a little kg or two on me, maybe. Yeah, and a case, he, maybe. Like me, falls like a brick taped to another fucking brick. He does. But, I
0: mean, you know, that, that also didn't worry me, you know. Tandems are like shuttlecocks or birdies, you know. Yeah. If you've got the heavy thing on the bottom... And the light thing on the back is just going to go better. Oh, to yeah, life, which absolutely. Is one absolutely. One of the things we try and work towards when we jump out of the plane, right? So that was easy. I wasn't worried about that. Just some handles checks and. Uh...
1: Well, you're lucky, though. You're you're tall and you're relatively lightweight and strong and healthy. Um, So you kind of got advantages going in that direction. Whereas you got somebody like me that's on the shorter, thicker side. Mm. And I've generally found myself as the heavy side of that fucking shuttlecock. <laughs> yeah, <well>, <laughs> yeah. It's not the idea, man. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's you, not like- ideal you'd see the little japanese tourists in las vegas walking up towards you and you're like oh yeah. fuck i know the, i'm getting a the, little ninjas, ones. the ninjas yeah sw- switch
0: you over yeah
1: and you're like nope i'm gonna end up on my back on this one there's no way it's not. sometimes
0: you can just tell eh? yeah and then sometimes i think it has something to do with um the fact that you've got it in your head and you've already decided you're gonna go flip oh yeah oh yeah
1: you do it to yourself so who knows you do it to yourself <laughs> so you kind of you, you gelled with the whole uh, tandem thing is that partially because you're a people person
0: I think so, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was like I said, with the experience of of being on the plane so much and being surrounded by my friends. When I went to do my tandem rating, my first 30 tandems were all of the staff who have got something to teach me each time. And I literally, at one point, I printed off the schedule and I was crossing people's names off. And (laughs) each time I was crossing a person's name off, I was turning around to the manager and saying, Am I good to do a real tandem yet? It's just five more names, you know. So it was really good to be there sure. with these guys who are the best in the business teaching yeah. me what to do. And then, yeah, I don't know.
1: Awesome. Well, I mean, it's kind of funny because um, if I look back, and I've said it many, many times on the podcast, my favorite way looking back to Scott is his tandems. Um, and I fought tooth and nail getting my tandem rating. But it turned out to be um, such a fun experience. Again, you're the one that gets to share that mm. instant reaction when the when the parachute opens. Um, but the coolest thing I found throughout all of it was the psychology that goes into being a good tandem instructor mm. and learning how to go, this person is going to need this from me to have a good time. Yeah, This reading person people. is going to need that.
0: Yeah. And, and you have to learn to do it quickly as well when you've got oh, whatever yeah. five minutes. Maybe at a different drop zone where it's not so busy, you might have a little bit of weather or some downtime to get oh, yeah. to know your student, but yeah.
1: Well, got it. Uh, at Where I did the, the bulk of my tandems in my career at Cross Keys, you'd meet your student in the loading area, so you wouldn't oh, even get your student. Time, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you'd grab your student and you literally had from the time you met and boarded the aircraft to the time that you left to read this person, figure out what they're going to need and how to calmly get them out of the airplane in a way that's not going to kill you. Um, so it was this great, you know, you got a 10-second psychologist and you've got to bang Mm -hmm. out how you know how is this person going to handle this and it's kind of funny and i'm sure you've figured this out by now Is people most of the time fall into categories so they're they're pretty easy to read okay you've Mm -hmm. got the five groups of whatever this person needs this and this and this and this Mm -hmm. Uh, every once in a while though one's
0: outside the box fucking (laughs) hell (laughs) i I will admit i've read some people wrong right yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. definitely read some people wrong It, it really um it gets you down when you when you don't get the the right convincing argument to get someone out of the plane, yeah. and you have to go down on that plane. That's really depressing.
1: Knock wood. <laughs> I well, I don't even have to knock wood because I'm never taking another tandem again. I never had a refusal. You
0: never had a refusal. I never had a refusal. I don't know how many I've had. I, they must be doing something wrong. Really? Yeah, man. Like one time, I was going up in the plane, and it was a it was a Chinese student. She didn't speak a word of English. Mm. And, you know, the whole thing. We move towards the door and suddenly she's freaking out. So she's grabbing every single dangerous thing that is possible in the aircraft. Right. And I'm like, okay, let's calm this down. Like, it's not going to cost me any more money to, you know, I'm not going to lose any money by not jumping out of this plane. Let's, let's let's calm the situation down. I tried to explain to her we're not going to jump, you know, but she didn't understand that we're not going to jump. <laughs> then I'm taking her off me and putting it on a seat next to me she still does not understand that we're not going to jump she's screaming her head off she puts her hand in my shoulder and is biting me like physically biting my arm <laughs> and i'm like i'm oring almost drawing blood and peter is there sat opposite me filming the whole situation it must be on video somewhere so yeah, I've had a I've had a couple of exciting ones.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> that sounds fucking epic. Yeah. So even when she was unhooked, she did she think she was just going to I don't know.
0: Her? Yeah, I guess maybe she thought I was just unclipping her. The door was still open. She was like I was fed up and it was just going to chuck gonna her on her own or something. Uh, I
1: don't know. Oh. Uh, yeah. Well, in a perfect world. <laughs> <We laughs> oh my hope. god. No, the closest I ever had to a refusal was out of the Sky Van in Cross Keys and we were actually at um we were jumping in Wildwood, so we were jumping over the beach. Um, and it was this big guy. I think he was probably six four, six five. I don't know what that is in centimeters, but a fuckload taller. I'm on I'm on your scale, bro. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm UK. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So dramatically taller than me, and you walk out of the sky van and you do a gainer. Uh, it's the easiest fucking exit ever, unless the person in front of you is a fuckload taller and doesn't want to go that direction. All oh, right, yeah. And by then <laughs> and they're making the decisions. Yeah. <laughs> and by then I had enough, um, you know, false pride in myself that I'm like, fuck, I don't want a goddamn refusal. So we're literally, I don't know, two feet from the door. We're going. We're that close, and we're the only people on board. And so I tell him, okay, okay, cool. He's like, I can't go. I can't go. I can't go. All right, cool. Just nice and slow, turn around and face the front of the plane. Uh, And as soon as he turned around, I just ran out backwards. and he—I th- I he probably say, thanked you for it. He did. He, he thanked, thanked me. He thanked me after. the that's fact- that,
0: that's what's annoying about when you get a refusal. Because you know, unfortunately, but you know, they're going thank you for it. Thank just, you so much. They is just what spent they a say.
1: whole lot of money on a really expensive airplane ride that yeah. they're going to regret for the for how knows long. You know, I mean, it's it's one of those things, right? You know, this person is going to be kicking themselves yeah. forever. And we've
0: all been there on the on the successful side of. Convincing someone that it's a good idea to jump out of a plane, and yeah. it gets pretty intense sometimes, you know. Oh yeah, oh you I've had people talk about life and. Uh- I've had people
1: and, burst into tears yeah. and people super thankful and stuff. That's that's why the tandem side of things was uh, and will always be my favorite part because you get such a reward mm. outside of just the jump. Yeah, they'll never remember our names. They're not going to be able to pick us out of a lineup. Fucking five years down the road, but what you gave them will be with them for. Yeah, the Yeah, they remember of their the lives. experience. Yeah, Absolutely. For sure. And I've never had anybody that didn't. Uh, um, That wasn't happy. They did it. I've had people that are like, "I'll never fucking do do that again." again." Yeah, I
0: had that. That was one of the first reactions the other day. Absolutely, that again. It's like, okay, well, at least we did it once. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And they've
1: got that story to tell forever. Yeah. yeah. You ever been thrown up on? No. No.
0: Yes. That is. I'm more proud of not being thrown up on than uh, I've been puked on all over the place. Yeah. That was very close the other day. Very close the other day. But uh, eyes on the horizon and. just slowly closing your visor so they can't hear your voice anymore. Uh, dude, I was doing
1: tandems back before we were wearing helmets, and I can tell you what someone's breakfast tasted like. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Been,
0: especially not in COVID. I don't fancy any of that. Uh...
1: Right? <laughs> right? No shit. It's really, yeah. Uh... Now, speaking of, you were back in the UK for COVID. Yeah. Uh, but you hit the kind of the cherry time to be back in the UK. Yeah. because
0: hit, hit it perfect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they were pretty locked down over there uh, when I got back over there. At least some... Pubs and stuff were open and the weather was nice. At least they had, yeah, the, that first lockdown, they had uh, some nice weather. Now, not so much. Yeah. Now, so.
1: How long uh, How long did you go without jumping? Um,
0: It wasn't that long, actually, because it was closed down in March. And then when the drop zone opened, I was still here. So I went and did, you know, it was that first jump when you hadn't jumped in however long. And yeah. I just want to do a hop and pop and, and do a nice swoop and nice. see if I can remember what the hell I'm doing and not break both legs you know and then right. I'll, I'll feel better about myself so yeah. so it was only ever 3-4 months gaps and then when I was back in the UK I actually did one I needed to get a reline so I went up to another drop zone and a little bit up north and then of course as is england jumped out in a cloud fell through the rain for fucking four thousand feet tried to tried to wait until i could get out of the bottom of the cloud and then just decided there is no bottom of this cloud and just had to pull
1: yeah when the bottom when the uh, bottom of the cloud is just the top of the fog
0: yeah yeah exactly <laughs> that's not a good idea so you know staying current but uh whatever
1: fuck man i've been uh, uh i'm a little over a year Without a jump. because Oh, really? You haven't he, jumped? No. Because, well, I I didn't jump before I went to Nepal okay. Um, end of 2019 uh, because I was smart enough to know if I'm going to twist an ankle and not be able to hike to base camp, it's going to be because I went and did a hop and pop. So yeah. I'm like, all right, fuck. I'm not going to jump. I'm going to wait until I get back from uh, Nepal. And I get back from Nepal, uh, and we were super, super busy. Okay, and the so next thing you know, up and then, COVID. Yeah so
0: Well, that's a long time
1: yeah so i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have some some proper jitters when i go out to jump again
0: my first line is gonna scare you man nah, but it it's w- gonna be nice <laughs> it was scaring me man I, yeah i was like i'm not gonna remember all the way up until that that flat line beat went off on my audible Right. i did not know how to swoop <laughs> and then when i was in that exact same position and that beat went off. I was like, "Oh yeah, it's yep. just like riding the bike." I remember this.
1: Oh, I'm gonna fly like a little old lady, but I'm gonna fly like a little old lady on a Velo 96 at 190 pounds. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, st- I'm still gonna be coming in pretty fucking fast. Yeah. You know, mellow on on any cross brace canopy is still pretty goddamn sporty so i'm i'm sure it will get my undivided attention for sure so now where do you see skydiving going for you down the road because um you kind of were without direction so much when you started skydiving true becoming a skydiver has not exactly been known for putting people on a a perfect path no
0: yeah you're right uh i don't know yeah one of the other things that uh, got me started on skydiving was was the travel essentially which is why i always knew i was Going to have to get this tandem ticket essentially because mm. that's what's going to get you the opportunities in places. Oh, yeah. I mean, nobody's looking for a videographer no. in uh, Bali or no. wherever, you know. Uh, they're looking for someone that's got multi ratings, you know. So that was the idea of getting the tandem rating. Mm. And now I have that. um it's, it's comfortable here. So I've been here for a little bit, but the idea is to go and use that to go and see the rest of the world. Cause it's mm. different going on holiday to places than it is living in places. You know, you don't yeah. really, I don't really think you get to see no. countries no. when you just go there on vacation. It's just all glitz and glimmer and you see the visage of the front of the country. Sure. You don't get to see what it's all about, you know? So I want to go check out some more places and whatever. Canada's on my list. Uh, I've always wanted to go. I'm 29 now. Mm. And I think there's some limitations from being 30. <laughs> uh, after you're 30, something like you can't do this working visa thing. So I don't know. Also, you know, they have the same rule in Australia and New Zealand, but uh, I think Canada's might be a priority.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Who knows? Fair, fair enough.
0: enough. Skydiving takes you everywhere. Sometimes it's just the people that you bump into and they give you a good opportunity.
1: And- That's it, right? I mean, uh, I, it's a fucking small sport. Mm. Uh, I was, after I finished up in, in uh, Cross Keys and did my time in the States, I, I took advantage of exactly that. And the first place that I went and worked at outside of the States, I did six months in Fiji. Um, landing on the beach and I see you know, Fiji seems
0: like a <laughs> yeah, chicks in <laughs> Great bikinis idea.
1: out of a turbo 182 and having a fucking blast and just a wonderful time. And, and, uh, then did another, uh, what six or seven months in New Zealand as well. And so just these spectacular places that you get to go. Yeah, man, a- well, and it's nice knowing, like you said, if you're multi rated nowadays, a multi rated skydiver in non COVID times has a job almost anywhere in the
0: yeah. world. Exactly. Which is
1: fantastic.
0: And uh, yeah, I was, I've explored a lot of Europe and Europe because uh, whatever, I'm from the UK, so it's always going to be on my doorstep. So I, I feel like getting a bit further afield. Sure. And I had had a job lined up uh, in China recently mm. in uh, Hainan. You know where that is? I don't. An island off the south coast. Have you heard of the guy called
1: Jitang? The name sounds familiar. The name sounds, the name familiar. sounds familiar, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, he has a drop zone over there. So we're going to go work over there. Um,
1: is that where uh, um, Rob Stanley was jumping?
0: I don't think so, no. Um, there's a few drop zones on the island, but uh, this one is kind of newly set up, I believe. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was just another another good opportunity. And when I was back in the UK, I was setting up some visa stuff. But uh, the day I went to pick up my visa from the uh, consulate or whatever it was, the UK put a ban on. Uh, UK, uh, Sorry, China put a ban on UK citizens entering the country. So. Uh, that's off the cards for a little bit. Man, it's all difficult it's these days, you know? Like, what can you do? Fucking Every five minutes, a rule change, and you have to change your life plans. Well, and it's so strange <laughs> shit. I
1: mean, I mean, at the end of the day, especially considering uh, the the climate of the entire world right now, we strap other human beings to us in extremely close quarters. That is true. And uh, have them scream in our faces for five minutes. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> And the rest, of whatever else comes out their uh, <laughs> nose or mouth. <laughs> oh God, yes! Especially man. If you're not wearing a full face oh, helmet. You know? Again, you're definitely yeah, that's, in the firing line, if they want to put it that way.
1: That's the that was the major hazard back in the day. I mean, I've had s- other people snot on my face for years. And now it's life or death, bro. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, man! I swear. So um, it's you're, you're a skydiver. Then is this? A, are you a lifer?
0: As long as my body holds up, I guess. I see my, my friends slowly getting, getting back pains and neck pains and stuff. And I always ask him, you know, when someone has a bad injury, I'm like, how many skydives you got? Because it's going to be my counter until maybe I'm going to have the same injury. But
1: Dude, yoga. We'll
0: see how it goes. We'll yoga. see how it goes. Yoga. Yoga,
1: we'll go, yeah. Dude, I tell you, I mean, I remember going through uh, Skydive Arizona way, way, way back in when I still had uh, rubber joints and uh, seeing Sean McCormick. Um, Sky Surfer Sean McCormick, uh, leading a uh, group doing yoga. And I remember thinking, the fuck are they yeah, doing? Yeah. this is, looks like some bullshit. I want to go skydive. And now I would give anything to turn back the clock and, and be do in that fucking group. yoga.
0: Wow. Oh, I am kind of the guy that turns up at the drop zone, has a coffee and, and a cigarette and watches everybody else do the. Stretching, so maybe I'll be saying exactly the same words. uh
1: Stretch with a cigarette and a coffee. It's fine. (laughs) Fucking find a way to do it. I'm telling you, holy shit. Because, yeah, you're right. Every Scott ever that I know um, has – Yeah, we put up with it. You know, I mean, I don't, I think I probably make it two or three nights a week without an ice pack on my shoulder Mm -hmm. to go to bed, you know, um, shit like that, you know, man. Yeah. Well, I
0: mean, you know, the openings, I mean, I guess it is mostly, it must be the openings, you know, we're not really putting ourselves through much else in free fall or anything like that. So those openings, they do not feel like much, you know, one at a time, but they add up and occasionally you have in, you know, whatever, one car crash opening a year, which is. Not what most people do. It's Not, you know, Everyone has a car crash every year, you know?
1: Yeah. The, and a, you know, a, that a fucking brisk one. Well, and... Uh- Again, you're you're lucky in your timing in the sport in that uh, the camera equipment is dramatically lighter mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of advancements in that because I was jumping with you know a proper fucking heavy camera setup, uh, so the heart openings that I had have fucked three or four discs in my neck for life. You know, yeah, I was still jumping
0: uh, that saber one for three hundred jumps, which is uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> man, absolutely. <laughs> you know, the old tech, but yeah,
1: that. When I was just talking to somebody else about uh, potentially changing up canopies and and uh, I was looking at the the Icarus line because. Especially with like the the JFX um, and stuff are known for really soft openings. All the new
0: tech canopies are open like a dream, yeah, man. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like I was jumping the Velo for a bit, and it's nice. If yeah, I mean I don't necessarily openings believe, aren't great. They're not amazing. No, they have the snivel 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 snap at the end, which is not that comfortable. But you know, all this new tech. Canopies—they're just amazing. You can just chuck it in the bag and.
1: Sure, sure. Well, and that I, again, looking at that particular line, the um, the JFX looked like a fantastic canopy for me. The Leia, because I don't jump as much, looked like a little bit more in mm. the gas tank than I want. A little bit more power than I think I need because I'm getting older, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, Sliding on a, a Previously broken Tailbone Doesn't look <laughs> Oh yeah 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 uh, Off of a fucking swoop Of course Of course Yeah So uh, long term Lifetime skydiver Any other aspirations Work wise You gonna take the, This DJ shit anywhere who knows, man? I don't know. Maybe we could set up a drop zone
0: somewhere together eventually. Nice. Nice. <laughs> we have a nice. fucking, uh, you know, a club in the back. We keep all the talent passengers around for a bit. Very cool. Charge like, uh, whatever, $12, <laughs> $12 <laughs> vodka, vodka tonics or something. Make some real bank. Okay. Why not? Why don't not? Know. Who's, who knows, man? We're seeing how it goes. It's like literally. So, all up in the air. You can make decisions these days. Right, yeah, no doubt.
1: Well, for those that are, are, are coming into the sport and trying to decide, and they're they're new in the sport where you were, from someone that, that uh, basically started out from the bottom and worked his way up mm. to get all the ratings, what advice do you have to somebody that just did that first jump? They just made that first jump, and they know, like you knew, this is me. What do I do? Mm. What What advice do you
0: give to them? All right. Give me a second. I have to think about that one. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Because, <laughs> I mean, the one. normal
1: advice is drink a lot, have as much fucking sex yeah. as possible, and jump out of airplanes.
0: Well, I mean, I maxed out a bunch of credit cards. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> this, is, this is the reason that I am where I am because I didn't have the real money right. to put into it as much as okay, – it's expensive. We all know it's expensive. Sure. When people ask me how much does it cost to Skydive, I say – if you really want to skydive, it's going to cost you everything you've got. Yeah. Because literally, if you're that mad for it, you just pour everything into it, the equipment, the tunnel, whatever it is, you know, yeah. you're spending all your money doing it. So I don't regret that for a second. Mm. I'm not <laughs> advising people to go out and get credit cards, <laughs> but it might push you in the right direction in getting some real experience Right. in the, in the first starting out, you know. Right. Help your um, credit rating too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Exactly. No, and then you just move country. That's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to um, say
1: right now: do not follow that advice. <laughs> do not follow that advice.
0: But no, I mean just being really um, enthusiastic and knowing what you want to do. Like, uh, unfortunately, I don't have the camera equipment that I at one point had the the money to be able to afford. Mm. Uh, and that was really, you know, if you've got something that you're really passionate about, then just you you just you're going to dive in. Whatever it doesn't really matter what everyone else says. Sure. And just follow that, that thing. I haven't done any tunnel myself. It's definitely pushes people in the right direction and getting their skills up and getting the opportunities available to them. If it's like uh, load organizing or whatever you want to do. But if you've got a goal in your mind.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, 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 as soon as you've got that goal, you'll do whatever you can to exactly to just jump down that rabbit hole. And
0: well, and I mean, you're not going to be looking back saying, I shouldn't have done that. It's always.
1: Well, I mean, it's very much a lifestyle choice, though, right? Because I mean, most of the people that I know that have decided, all right, skydiving is my life, they, mm. in making that decision, they're like, all right. Chances are there goes the white picket fence. Yeah. Chances are, true. you know, I'm, I'm not going to live this very standard life. That being said, I'm lucky enough that I've been able to make a pretty normal life out of a very abnormal career. Mm. Um, but most people, it's, a, it's not a vagabond lifestyle, but it's certainly not the standard lifestyle. No. So you kind of make that decision, right?
0: Yeah, you do, but I guess you got to be that way inclined before you jump right. down that rabbit hole. Right. Um, yeah, you're not going to be. You're not going to be. I don't know. Following that.
1: No. no well, that's why. Because
0: I... drag you wherever the wherever <laughs> the hell <that> you don't <laughs> exactly. want to go, and if you don't want to go, then you're not going to join. You exactly. Know? Well, well, that's why I nicknamed. That's directions. why I named
1: the uh, the podcast the Lunatic Fringe because it's not something that uh, you become; it's something you are. Yes. Yeah. You... That's exactly what skydiving is.
0: It's a <clears> bunch of whatever lost children that happen to find each other together you know right yeah well that's the
1: thing right i mean uh, it's it's uh, it's like bumping into somebody at the party that's done the same stuff as you and you're like i know hey. where you're at <laughs> you just catch each other's eye and be like uh oh, that guy's as weird as i am yep, i know exactly where the fuck you are <laughs> yeah it's kind of what it is you know yeah. i mean you have that instant connection with somebody that you find out as a skydiver and you automatically know kind of their vibe yeah you know which is one of the coolest things about the sport and, and they're from all walks of life which is interesting as well but yeah. yeah yeah for sure for sure so any uh um any last pieces of advice to the the kids coming up before we go
0: I do not have any last pieces of advice. To stay Fuck in school, me. maybe? Fuck that. <laughs> just just. <laughs> The exact opposite of what we've been talking about. Yeah, yeah. Quit school, rack up some credit cards, go Skyline. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go. That's kind of it, right? Yeah. Awesome. Tim, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Appreciate the time coming in, and keep on jumping, man. Lovely being here, right. man. Cheers. Chat to you later. See ya. All right, there you have it. Another episode of Lunatic Fringe, Into the Void, In the Can. As always, brought to you by the greatest magazine in the known universe. Head to blueskiesmag.com. Also, pussfoot.com, the extreme sports collective, pussfoot.com, summitparachutesystems.com, Jarrett Martin, putting together awesome pilot rigs and rigging courses as well at summitparachutesystems.com. And as for me, I am the fucking pilot. You can find me at thefuckinpilot.net or the princesspilot.com where you get links to this podcast and all the others, as well as both the books. Once again, thanks. We'll see you next time.